You're listening to episode 224, Stress, the Gut, and Your Health with Dr. Janine Krauss. have to agree with you. It's it truly is. And yes, you can play with all these other things as you're on your journey getting to where you need to be, but ultimately you will come back to it's the simple things that matter and it's the simple things that you want to get hammered out and stress getting your stress in check will resolve a lot of things for you if you can dial that in. This is the dance of life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind, body, and soul for living your best life yet. Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is January 8th, 2021. Health is a relationship between you and your body. Anonymous. If you can find the author of that quote, please let me know. All I could find is anonymous. But welcome to the show. You know, such a great reminder, regardless of who said it, such a great reminder about the value of learning to listen to your body. You know, health is a practice. And a big part of that practice is learning the signs of your body, learning everything that your body does, you know, the patterns, the things that it likes to eat and it doesn't like to eat. What are the signs it gives you and what do they mean? This is a, this is a real practice and stress, especially when we're under stress, that's one of the biggest times to practice because you're going to get a lot of signs. You're going to feel more tired. Your digestion is going to get messed up. Your sleep is going to get messed up. Your energy levels are going to wax and wane, you know, this kind of thing. And the problem is usually when we are stressed, we don't pay attention because we're paying attention to other things like work and our to-do lists, other people. So it's kind of like a double whammy because stress is the time that you need to pay attention the most. And yet we don't. And that's why I wanted to focus on stress today. I have a great guest to share with you. Her name is Dr. Janine Kraus. And she's a burnout and stress expert. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of what stress does to the body, as well as some important strategies today that you can use in your practice for optimal health and resilience. Dr. Janine Kraus is a naturopathic doctor, acupuncturist, and the host of the Health Fix podcast. She helps people get to the bottom of their fatigue, their weight gain, their chronic pain, their gut and thyroid issues and many other things, so they can focus on living life to the fullest. Today we're talking about stress, the gut, and your health, because they're all related. You know, stress involves so many parts of the body, and especially the gut. It's a constant balance, so we want to make sure that we understand what are the strategies, what are the things that we need to know when we're stressed out, how do we recover from burnout, how do we stay in that optimal zone between having enough stress to perform, but not having too much that we're you know, screwing our health over. So that's what I want to share with you. We're going to get into it. A lot of great stuff in this interview. Super excited. A lot of just wonderful information, especially I'm sure you have been through burnout. I've been through burnout. Everybody goes through burnout in their life. I don't think you can 
not go through burnout, especially in this society that we live in. So such a very uh, relevant topic. If you want to get in touch with Dr. Janine, you can visit her at Dr. J. Krause, that's spelled K-R-A-U-S-E, and then nd.com, drjkrausnd.com. You can also look her up at Dr. Janine Krause, that's Janine with two N's, on Instagram or Facebook, Dr. or Doc J. Krause. And she has a course, it's called the Manage Stress Naturally course that you can check out. And that's going to be linked in the podcast show notes for this. If you want to go to danceoflife.com slash podcast, I'm going to put the link for her Manage Stress Naturally course. You can access that and check it out. Without further ado, let's do this. Stress the gut and your health. Here we go. being a naturopath i mean i'm curious because well first off were you always into health and if and if so why did you choose being a naturopath versus a standard doctor you know like a Um, mainstream western yeah it kind of happened accidentally and and it really all started with my desire to have my mom let me drive her car as Mm. as i was 15 and and i wanted to use my learner's permit to the max but my mom at the time was suffering with cancer and so she was going to her acupuncturist and she was going to her naturopath and i was like well i'll drive you had no interest whatsoever in either thing but ended up falling in love with both of them and just seeing how much like well, for example, the acupuncture helped her after chemo. And then the naturopaths, just, like, they revived her because she was really getting sick pretty fast. So yeah. it was impressive how, okay, you know, my mom was always kind of, I, was, I wasn't the kid that ever had the Doritos in the house. I was the kid that had what I called twigs and sticks. Nobody <laughs> wanted to trade me for my snacks. What are twigs and lunch. sticks? sesame sticks oh yeah nice. <laughs> was like, that sounds good <laughs> yeah they're super delicious to this day they bring me great joy and you know when people are going for potato chips and things i'm mm-hmm. the one headed to the bulk section at the grocery store going i want my sesame sticks um but my my mom was always kind of in the healthy realm we were always going to the natural food store but for some reason you know I guess other other than and lack of of anything else I can say other than being the typical American teenager, you know, I wanted my pizza, I wanted my tacos, I wanted yeah. to, to do those kind of things. So when I started following my mom to all of her visits, I really did start to change and go, oh, maybe I shouldn't eat a box of cereal a day because it's mm. 1200 calories. Maybe I should start eating some fruit. Oh, maybe I should change some stuff up. And I felt better too, as she was starting to feel better. So I was like, yeah, there's something to this. So I kind of wow. debated back and forth whether I really wanted to, to be a naturopath or, or go the full you know, medical doctor thing. And I decided there's more tools with being a naturopath. So jumped into that. Here I am. What, uh, what do you think is missing in the western medical field i mean the there's there's a whole push towards especially now i feel towards like everything is so separated you know everything is so separated and everything is so everybody's so afraid of germs and you know all these things that have nothing to do with again the terrain and kind of our you know internal ability to fight disease but you know what do you think is missing from modern medicine today i guess the western approach to medicine? I would say first and foremost, connection. 
Mm. really sitting down and being like, Hey, Joe, how was your day? You know, what, what, what are you up to? You know, getting to know your patients on a little bit more deeper level. And unfortunately within the modern medical system where we have 15 minute visits, it's, it's impossible. I mean, it's like a freaking, you know, grind, but I think the connection's missing. And now, you know, now that we're turning to telemedicine, it's going to require even more of a a skill to be able to connect with folks on a virtual level. I mean, I'm looking at my patients in terms of their, their skin color. I'm looking at their eyes. I'm looking at their pulses. I'm looking at their tongue, just diving in a little more. That's interesting. I mean, man, it's so cool that you mentioned that because I've, I have a lot of, I have a lot of doctor friends and uh, I remember recently I was talking to one and we, they were doing a lot of training at the Mayo clinic actually here uh, in town about how that very thing that you mentioned, which is just connection. And I remember even reading some of the studies for the, for the book I was writing on placebo on placebo Mm -hmm. studies and how one of the things that seemed to affect whether a treatment was working or not is whether the patient had a connection with the physician. Mm -hmm. If they believe that that person wanted, you know, their benefit or whatever, you know, these types of things, uh, most of the time that had a positive effect on the outcome, which is just fascinating to think about, you know, but it's, I mean, it's, it's simple, right? We grew up in sort of society's little tribes of connection. And so without that sense of connection, it's just, uh, you know, you're just a robot, you know? So it's interesting now with the telemedicine, like you said, but I'm curious, how, how do you integrate like, well, let's say Chinese medicine, you obviously have to look at their tongues. You have to, you know, do all these kind of evaluations. Like, how do you do that with telemedicine? It's, it's impossible, you know, of course with the pulse, but I will make people open their mouths and like get up close and really, you know, let me see what's going on there. But just looking at affect, I can tell a lot from what the eyes are doing. I can tell a lot from how bright their face looks. Um, If they're in a darker room, I'll be like, let's turn the light up. Cause I want to know, do they look gray? Do they have puffiness around their eyes? You know, what's going on there. So I'm still looking at color. The only thing I of course miss out on is that pulse, but you can sort of, I mean, as long as you're good at asking questions and, and you have time to ask the questions, you can kind of get to the bottom of things still not saying it's not a challenge, but I'm getting there. I'm, I'm figuring this out now that we've been doing this thing for a little bit. Yeah. It's real art. You know, it's um, <laughs> gosh, somebody, I remember again, another one of my doctor friends was telling me about a story when she was a resident and this just totally popped in my mind, but uh, she was a resident and, you know, one of the whatever main doctors there who was like super experienced would be able to just like smell just the Mm -hmm. smell of something. They'd be like, Oh, I know exactly what skin disease that person has or something crazy. You know, it's like the information's always there. It's just whether or not we've trained ourselves to listen for it, you know, and that's just a a matter of sensitivity, I guess. But yeah, the whole pulse thing, maybe they'll develop some, uh, you know, some little thing that you can put your hand in and the other person can feel it. That'd be kind of interesting. (laughs) That would be so cool. I know a lot of people have different um, tools where they can look at like heart rate variability and things of that nature. So I have kind of started to incorporate those things. So I'm thinking, yeah, one, one step further, get the pulse in the three different areas. Yeah, you're on to something here. We're gonna what, to, what do we're you like about Chinese medicine? Because I've, I've had a lot of experiences with it. I think it's great. Uh, I don't do any of it right now, but 
I have done it several times in my life, especially for burnout and for stress. I think there's so many wonderful things that they do and they're very simple. Like it, to me, it's a very simple system and not like in a negative way, but it's just like, they really mm -hmm. have simplified it. You know, it's about energy, duality, yin and yang, fire, water, you know, it's very interesting, very different than how we do medicine in the West. But what do you like about it so much? I like the simplicity too, because yeah. a lot of times there'll be a Western kind of thing going on with someone and, and this diagnosis, it's like, I, it's hard to explain it. But if you break it down to, like you said, hot or cold, or for me, it's blood moving, not blood, not moving in yeah. terms of pain. It seems to, to just break it down really easy for folks. And I like that. And, and it breaks it down in my head really easy too, because when I'm putting the needles in, it's like, okay, where's the blood stuck? All right, great. Put, put the needles there, let the mm. body take over and do the rest. It's, it's impressive when you break it down. Super simple. How would, you know, for, for some people that don't understand what integrative medicine is, or, you know, let's say functional medicine, how would you describe that to them? Like, what's the difference? Um, integrative medicine is really the art of taking multiple tools as I would look at it yeah. and, and melding them together because any given day, I'm going to be doing kind of your conventional Western medicine, primary care. And then I'm going to take it in, in terms of maybe I'm going to prescribe someone an antibiotic, right? We have to do it. Something's really not going right. Okay. We got to do that. Then what I'm going to do on top of that is go, okay, let's take some naturopathic principles and I'm going to give them a little bit of a probiotic to try to help counter what the antibiotics doing. And then yeah. Chinese wise, I'm going to give them some dietary suggestions because the antibiotics are really cold and harsh on the gut. So I'll integrate those three things. And if we're looking at the functional medicine side of things, after that treatment with the antibiotic is done, I will usually use something like Viome or Thrive, a, a gut test and see, yeah. okay, what's happening. So I take all of it and mash it all together and give folks some good stuff. I love it. I love nerding out on this stuff. It's so, it's so interesting, man. The body is just, it's such, you know, the other day I was looking for, I don't know what the hell I was doing. I was looking on the internet for some content from something I was doing. I don't remember, but, oh, I was looking at a cross section of the thorax, I think, or of the upper body, some, something like that. And nice. I just saw, yeah, I don't remember why I was doing <laughs> it, but, but I saw this like 3d animation of, you know, just somebody's ribs and like, you know, where all the organs are and the nerves and, you know, it's like, holy smokes, what a piece of work, man. What a piece of engineering. If you, if you could just get present to how crazy of a body we have an, an amazing machine. I mean, it's just insane, really, like how it just figures out how to do everything. It's just to me, it leaves you with nothing but, you know, gratitude and amazement for just the miracle of even sitting here and talking, right? Like to just do that without pain or, you know, any random shit going wrong. I don't know. It's just such a miracle, right? It is. It is how it works. It's just we work synchronously and so much is going on just in one moment. It's impressive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you're a stress expert and mm -hmm. I'm really curious what your take is on stress. Like what do you, what is stress to you? Mm. What is what does that mean to you? Because it can mean different things to different people. What does it mean to you? It's when your body gets overloaded. And so, you know, there's good stress. A lot of people talk about that. You know, you're working yeah. out, you're feeling good. But when you get to the point where the body is going, wait, no, I don't like this. You're shutting down. You're getting tired. You can't think clearly. You're yeah. You're just 
confused. You know, sometimes you just feel like, why did I walk in that room? Oh, that's a sign you might be stressed. So I, I think it's an overload. It really truly is. And, and your body gives signs. You just got to pay attention to what those signs are. Do you think that people have more stress today relatively? Because this is one thing that I'm interested in. I mean, if you look at, for example, historically, like there's always been crazy shit that's going on. I mean, you know, our grandparents went through World War II and famine and all this stuff. And, you know, it could be said that a lot of those things we don't have to deal with today, thankfully. Uh, but obviously we have things like Facebook notifications and other things that are equally stressful, uh, you know, even though some would argue that probably that's not the same thing. But is has stress changed and if so, you know, you look at some of these people from these older generations and relatively speaking, I mean, they had, some of them had really long lives, but yet today we have so many more chronic diseases, so many more uh, things that didn't exist before. So what do you think about that? So I'm, I'm kind of in the camp of looking at what someone's been exposed to over over their course of life because yes yeah. notifications what you what you expose yourself to how much tv time all of that is one aspect now the other thing combines with what's happened throughout your childhood throughout your adult life how many different you know traumas can be a big factor whether they're adverse childhood events so aces if people have heard of that or if we're looking at legitimately self-caused trauma because a lot of us will beat ourselves up We'll talk negatively to ourselves and that can be an extreme trauma and stressor to the body. So we kind of take the whole thing into to consideration. And because we've kind of, I don't want to say we've de devolved in a way. I think we've become comfortable in terms of living in homes, in terms of having some of our comforts. We don't have that resiliency yeah. that we should be building. And unfortunately, what's happened now, all the social media, all the screen time, all the different things are a lot more of a stressor than they should be to our body because we're not out playing. We're not out doing the things that decompress our body. So I do think as a society, we're starting to become more stressed and then throw a pandemic on top of it. And folks who normally would have maybe been able to tolerate this better because they were exposing themselves to the elements, staying out in the cold, kind of some of the Wim Hof stuff, yeah. or just just hiking, you know, doing something that was a little bit more strenuous on a regular level versus sitting down and, and, you know, watching Netflix binge sessions, things of that nature. So I think we've got a twofold thing going on that's creating stress, our lack of mo movement and challenging ourselves, but then all of the technology and things that are inundating us. It's kind of like this weird imbalance between the two. Do you think there's some hidden stresses or stressors, I should say, that people aren't aware of, but they're very um, ubiquitous, I guess, or common. Mm -hmm. For sure. And, and, you know, forgive me for the, the tech gods for saying this, but I think a lot of people don't really realize how radio frequencies and the switch to 5G and all of the different extraneous noise in our environment does yeah. affect us. I, I really do think there's something to that. That's I, I was I haven't read as much as I would like to on the five G stuff, but the stuff that I have read, and you know, it's about the calcium channels and how a lot of those you know are, are in the heart and the brain and all that stuff. It's very worrisome. I mean, you wonder like, okay, at some point, I mean, wh where is the outcome for this? You know, that we're gonna blanket the whole earth with with constant, you know, like I saw a commercial the other day for 
on Facebook, of course. One of my <laughs> friends gave me a meme today. It's like, you know, my favorite way of shopping is I just say out loud what I want and I wait for Facebook to give me an advertisement, <laughs> which is not too far from the truth. But I saw an advertisement for some sort of like face cleaning brush. It was just this automated, automatic plastic, whatever thing. And you just kind of, you know, vibrate it and put it on your face and whatever. And, you know, the first thing I'm thinking of was like, okay, there's another thing that adds more EMFs to your face. Like when I tested the EMFs on just a water pick, I mean, I tested a few of them, you know, it's like a little uh, water flossers. It was like 50 milligauss or some crazy shit. I mean, it was, it was high, you know? So I'm like, okay, yeah. you got that for 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Then you got another thing, your whole routine, you're blasting yourself with there. Then you talk on your phone. And then, like you said, it all adds up. I mean, that's pretty scary stuff, you know, with, with all the effects that it can have over time. We don't know yet. I mean, they're still relatively new, right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of the folks that are putting out the data, we're, we're getting a little censored on some of it, which is a bummer because it, they're, yeah. you know, it is in the infancies of the studies, but I do think we will find out just how we've seen with every single G that we've won up, like even around 4G when that came up now, 5G, it's interesting to see how people become a little bit more fried each section mm. of, of the, the, wavelength increase for example i guess they already have 6g in china now they're wanting to do 6g i'm like god we haven't even gotten five yet like, <laughs> no not yet <laughs> not yet no <laughs> let's see how much cancer this does first and then we'll do the rest <laughs> right hold up that's a, not not too much we can we can only handle a pandemic one at a time let's let's chill what impact do you think stress has on chronic disease because chronic disease is something that's definitely in the last, you know, 30, 40, 50 years has been skyrocketing. Obviously there's a lot of causes for that, but what impact does stress have on it and how does that work? So my biggest thing that I would say on that is we're looking at nervous system deactivation. Yeah. So, and a lot of people will say it's over reactivity, which is true, but we're also deactivating the parasympathetic, like the rest, digest, mm. chill, you know, segment of our autonomic nervous system. And there's a lot of emphasis put on how do we chill out the fight or flight, but no one's talking about how do we strengthen that parasympathetic side of things. And yeah. I think the problem lies in that we know kind of what herbs to take to, to regulate fight or flight, but we're not as like, let's say wired, or we're not as not even educated on how do we chill out properly. So stress chronically is going to deplete our ability to chill out to the point where folks are becoming extremely anxious. And then the nervous system doesn't know what's, what's true stress that like, this is a survival stress. Like you need to get the heck out of there compared to what's, you know, a paper flying in the air that just scares you for a moment kind of thing. It's not yeah. going to take you out. So then we, when we can't regulate our nervous system, we can't regulate what processes happen to create inflammation in the body. So then the body starts to go on attack. It can't properly kill a virus, a bacteria, viruses in particular. This is a big issue with chronic diseases. We've got a lot of folks who have chronic viral infections, such as monovirus, things of that nature, that are wiping their energy out and keeping them immune compromised over and over again. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, with, with the stress and the parasympathetic nervous system, I think that's really interesting that you can train 
that part of your system to be stronger. And I don't think a lot of people are aware that there are things that you can do. I mean, obviously uh, we're hardwired to train ourselves to be sympathetic dominant, meaning mm-hmm. like, okay, taking action, hustle, grind, especially like the society we're in, it's all about that. But what are some things that people can do to strengthen their parasympathetic response, the rest and digest? So one of the things that is probably the first and foremost thing is really taking care of your digestive system. When you go to eat, like don't stand at the kitchen counter shoveling food in or, you know, mowing while you're driving kind of thing, because your system like already thinks, okay, I'm eating on the run. So that means there's a bear after me. And and now you can't get your nutrients in. But also at the same time, your gut's your first brain. Your gut is in charge of a lot of nervous system signaling. And so if we're beating on our digestive system day in, day out, and not really taking the time to eat slowly and taste our food, we're going to keep ourselves stuck in in fight or flight mode. And and we're not going to be able to strengthen it. So I recommend slowing down, like really celebrate food and sit down and just breathe a minute before you start the shoveling. If you're yeah. going to shovel or we're and, and I also work on trying. I mean, I am I'm probably one of the folks that had to be educated the most on slow down. There's no fire around your food. Like it's not <laughs> going to spontaneously combust. Just slow it down. Unless you're going to one of those uh, fancy Brazilian steakhouses, <laughs> then, then there may be. But <laughs> other than this that. This is true. This is true. You got to watch out for those. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, it's interesting. I find that a lot of people who, and I'm guilty, I mean, I was guilty of this. I'm, I'm grateful now that I've, I've done a lot of work to get my wiring back because I tend to be type A and same thing. I've had a lot of lessons on slowing down, but one of the things I've found was that when you are, when your wires are crossed, I see this in a lot of people who are chronically stressed is that they you need something that's inherently very stimulating to feel relaxed and to feel at home. Like either, okay, I I need to like watch the computer for like until two in the morning just to feel like, okay, that's my wind down routine, you know, or watch TV or Mm -hmm. any kind of dopamine trap, you know, just to basically uh, tickle my brain so that I can feel, which is a really weird thing. Like, you know, where you've crossed your wires like that. And I think you kind of hit on that with the whole eating and, you know, you're, you're crossing your wires, you're training your nervous system in a certain way to respond to stimuli. And if you're resting or you're eating when you're supposed to be resting, but you're doing something active, you're sending two contradictory signals at the same time. And so, you know, what are some ways, I guess, that people can adopt better habits? What are some the common areas that you attack besides eating? Let's say, what are some common areas that you, when you look at somebody, okay, somebody's coming in, they're super stressed out. What are some common places in their daily routine where they can watch for different habits? They can build different habits. First and foremost, the morning. You yeah. got to w- look at your morning routine. And you probably found this when you were working with yourself is like, oh my gosh, am I getting up late then running to put on my clothes and I don't even know what I'm going to wear. And I'm trying yeah. to like throw, you know, what's going to go with there. So I have people create routines around what happens in the morning, what happens throughout the day and what happens as your wind down routine at night. Like you're shutting the work off and then you're really putting yourself to bed and being strict with your routines. And I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, I hate routine. I want to fight against the routine. But honestly, 
the more predictable of a person you are, the more your nervous system learns what you're going to do next. And mm. it's chill because it's not trying to figure out or predict what are you up to. You know, if you don't eat at a regular time, your body's going to be like, oh, God, she might not eat for 12 more days. I'm going to store all of this food and put on two pounds right now. You know, this is maybe a little exaggeration, but I mean, legitimately, this is what the body's kind of thinking. It doesn't know. It's very, we're still. It doesn't have eyes. It senses through chemical signals. Mm hmm. Exactly, exactly. And it, and it learns patterns where you know, it's like your dog learns the pattern of when you're going to get up and take him for a mm, walk and what time your yeah. body is no different. That's a that's a good point. I think of it like voting, like you're not like <laughs> not to bring in any politics, but basically you're, uh, you know, when you vote like, OK, I'm going to eat at seven in the morning or I'm going to eat at six in the morning or whatever it is, you know, then you do that all the time. And like you said, you're training your body to be you know, in this sort of rhythm, you're sort of shaping that rhythm, like you are clay on a pottery wheel. And so next time when it's hungry, like you rely on your body can tell you what it needs when you're doing that. I think that's, that's really the key. Cause I think in chronic stress, a lot of people have just, that's one thing I tend to find is that people who are also stressed and again, up from living from personal experience. I mean, my circadian mm -hmm. rhythm was all over the place <laughs> when I was, you know, cause you ride on your energy. I mean, you ride on on your energy, you take it for granted, especially if you're type A and you, you, you know, you're pushing yourself, you're like, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to not eat and just keep going and eat and, you know, or eat later, whatever, if I eat it all. And at some point you hit a wall and your body just gives up, but for a while you just kind of do that. And so what the result is usually your eating is all over the place. It's haphazard. Your sleeping is haphazard, you know, and, and a lot of times just by fixing when you, when you do things right in your circadian rhythm, that can help bring things into alignment really well, even without yeah. adding, let's say anything else, even though probably you should, but I find that to be really helpful for people. It's just the timing mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. of simple things like that. It truly is that simple. And I know a lot of people are being like, well, I don't, don't I need this supplement and that adaptogenic and this one and that my, you know, my ashwagandha and my holy basil and this <laughs> and that, you know, yeah, I'm a naturopath. Um, but I'm also going to be like, maybe in the moment while you're trying to help yourself get into this routine, but once you really train yourself to live life chill, you know, to live a chill life, you're not going to have all of the issues that you have before. And you're going to start to see that your joints might not hurt. You might not have the gut issues. Things are going to start to fall away. The more yeah. that your body's like, oh, I can regulate myself now because there's no bear after me. Yeah. Awesome. That's mm -hmm. no, pretty amazing. I mean, it's, it's amazing how plastic the body is. I don't mean that like a fake way, but just like plasticity, like it's ability mm -hmm. to adapt. It's just, just crazy. I mean, you see things that are just miraculous when the right pieces are there and you let your body do what it needs to do. I mean, it's a miracle. So, yeah, it really well, with, with stress, you know, one thing that's interesting, I think that a lot of people don't realize, and I would love your take on it is the importance of blood sugar management mm -hmm. because, you know, as you know, blood sugar is related to insulin and cortisol. And, and so I think that it would be cool to kind of go over that whole process with people, because I think a lot of people don't realize that part of managing your stress is managing your life wave, right? Your energy mm -hmm. wave, your, your blood sugar. And if, if your eating creates erratic blood sugar patterns, it's the same as having erratic sleep patterns or anything erratic. You have to have that smooth flow throughout yeah. the day. So why is that important for stress and how can people 
sort of heal that blood sugar relationship. Okay. Whew. All right. How long do we have? No. Um, as long as you want. <laughs> <laughs> so cortisol is going to rise. So folks who, who aren't familiar with circadian rhythms, guys, uh, cortisol is what wakes us up and it puts us to bed. So it's highest in the morning and lowest in the evening. And so in the morning, your blood sugar is rising as is your cortisol. So if you wake up and you eat a donut for breakfast, or if you just grab like an energy bar that doesn't, you know, it's like a Nutrigrain bar, not knocking on any product companies or any thing. But if you grab something like that, or you just eat a banana or orange juice and you go on with your day, well, you already have your cortisol up and now you ate something that was pure carb. Your sugar is going to just keep going up. So that stress is going to perpetuate and it's just going to keep going. And now you're going to have a crash and you're going to wonder at like 10 o'clock, why am I so tired? Why am I looking for another coffee? Why am I finding, you know, Susie at the office who has the candy stash in her drawer and I'm like hitting her up, right? Hanging because, out the cubicle with the most candy in it. <laughs> right? I mean, you want to be someone popular in the office. That's what you do. That's like hands yeah. down. You got the candy dish. You are like rock star status because a lot of people are not thinking about what's happening in the morning. Now, add on top of that, you have a poor morning routine. So, you know, you lost your keys. You can't find your cell phone. You know, you can't, you got two different colored socks on because you couldn't find the right socks. I mean, you're not prepared, right? So now you got the stress to that. And then you don't really like your boss and you got to go to a meeting. You're not prepared for add more stress. And then you just drink an orange juice on the way to work. And then maybe you also had a venti latte with, you know, who knows how many pumps of crazy on the sugar those having them. It's just uh, unreal. I mean, it's like 120 grams of sugar or something for a venti. I almost fell off. Like when I heard that, I like literally almost fell off my chair. I'm like, oh my God. And so then you do the math on people and you're like, holy cow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's it's scary. So what happens is your, your cortisol is like off the charts, your blood sugar is off the charts and that crash is going to come down. And it's just a matter of when it's going to come down. And so usually what happens, like you mentioned, we, we get in this cycle of like, we, we get that candy dish hitting up and then we get the hit on that or you, or you get coffee. Here's the other thing with coffee. Say you drink your coffee black. Well, and you don't put any sugar in it. There's caffeine in there. Caffeine drives cortisol too. And we got a lot of folks who are doing the keto diet thing and and intermittent (laughs) fasting and they're, they're not eating till say noon and they're feeling better, but they're drinking copious amounts like quad shot, you know, espressos and things of that nature. And now we have caffeine driving our cortisol up. And so by the time we hit lunchtime or that witching hour between two and 4 p.m., you're, you're crashing hard. And so we still have the issues with the cortisol, even though someone is not getting in the sugar, they're hitting the caffeines. Same thing goes with like the bang energy drinks or the Red Bulls or whatever. It's still going to push your cortisol. So if you're addicted to those things, it's not helping you. It's not helping your stress response or your stress management at all. Yeah, the coffee thing I think is is really key because I, I'm like I said I could say that from full experience I was doing, you know, whatever the fat coffee in the morning, trying to be clever biohacker and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. at the time I was really stressed out and just burned out trying to do intermittent fasting. My cortisol was too high. I was having sleep troubles, and you know it's like you know, one size does not fit all. I mean, if you have high cortisol and you, let's say you're a slow metabolizer of caffeine as well, and that's harder for you to get rid of it. Uh, I mean, that's just not going to work for you. You should find some, some, something healthier. There's other options other than caffeine to have energy, B vitamins, ginseng. I mean, there's so many different things that you can do that are 
more adrenal friendly, right? Than absolutely than caffeine. Absolutely. Yeah, some of the cordyceps mushroom drinks and things yeah. of that nature help. But see, a lot of people don't know about that. I think a lot of it is is just ignorance. Like people don't realize that you know, at least maybe in the West, maybe in the East, you know, they have a lot more exposure to herbs and things as just part of the culture. But here, uh, most of the time it's like, okay, caffeine or a Coke or, you know, some venti sugar thing. And it's just like, it's just not part of the culture, you know, to go and get some cordyceps drink or something <laughs> like that. It's a little weird, that mud water stuff, you know, yeah. kind of strange. Have you tried that? The mud water? Is it yeah. good? It is good. I do like yeah. it. I do like it. Do you, can you heat it up and just put water over it or something? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely looks like you're drinking a little gritty mud. You got to get used yeah. to that part of it. Like it's not going to be smooth. There will be grit in the bottom of of your cup, much like a really strong Turkish coffee. Yeah. But it's it's decent. I like mm. cinnamon, and I like kind of the the whole concept of chai as as yeah. well. You know, but. It's, it's good stuff. I like it. Minus the black tea. It doesn't have that component. So folks who mm. are probably going, wait a minute, fact checking you on the caffeine. <laughs> um, so no, it's, it's good. It's, it's, I, I like it. I, I don't do it every day. I am, um, I'm kind of maybe one of those weird people. I actually metabolize caffeine way too fast and get myself pretty sick fast. And wow. so I, I kind of prefer uh, nature's water in the morning and at most of the day. I'm, I'm kind of a weirdo and, and I don't like hot drinks as much, but I, I've tried the mud water and it's decent and I, I could get down with it here and there, especially on a cold morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've wondered about that. I mean, um, there's a lot of good stuff like reishi and cordyceps and stuff in there. I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to do that. I used to buy bulk like reishi and I don't even remember. It was like, I called it like my crazy ass tea and I just <laughs> boiled like literally like 10 different ingredients. It was licorice, I think was in there. This was all oh, when I was yeah. on my second stage of burnout. I mean, we can talk about that too. It's basically, yeah. you know, when I was, uh, cause I've been through both. I've been through high cortisol and I've been through that stage where you're just totally freaking done. You know, you just wake mm-hmm. up and you're just done. And uh, that sucked. But let, let's talk about that because yeah. I think, you know, there's there's burnout or let's say adrenal fatigue, which, you know, by the way, why does modern medicine not recognize that? I mean, there's so much, you know, bad press, obviously, like, oh, adrenal fatigue doesn't exist and all this stuff. And it it is very much a real thing. I mean, you can get cortisol resistance from you know, having too much cortisol, like anything else, insulin resistance, yeah. you know, you, uh, your body just becomes desensitized to your own hormones. And so eventually it runs out of juice to make the hormones. So that's, you know, maybe you want to call it a different name, but why do you think adrenal fatigue gets so much bad press? You know, I think it's because it's not identifiable. Now mm. we are starting to have more data on saliva cortisol testing because even like LabCorp and some of our conventional labs will now do saliva testing. So now it's kind of acceptable where the rest of us doing saliva testing for the last decade plus, we're all weirdos now because it LabCorp carries it. It's not so weird. Um, there's also blood tests to look at cortisol levels, but we're not able to, we're able to, but a lab is going to look at something kind of strange and insurance is not going to cover it when you send someone in four times during the day to see what's going on with their blood cortisol. So we only really have tests that will show if you're severely depleted in the morning. And, and we're looking at either something called Cushing's, which is more of an insulin resistance cortisol, like being elevated situation. And 
Addison's, which is a severely depleted, which we would call truly adrenal insufficiency or adrenal failure kind of situation in the alternative world. Those are your two extremes, but you almost like, I've never, I've tested people in the last, I've been in practice 13 plus years now, and I've tested people for both sides of the spectrum. And I've never seen anybody come close to having either one of those sections with the blood. Like if I test the blood, but I look at a cortisol saliva level and we got people flatlining. I'm like, how are you alive right now? What is going on? And so unfortunately what it really boils down to between conventional medicine and, and alternative or functional medicine is that there isn't a lab standard that was created by one of the the top like NIH, someone of the, you know some group of that caliber for the government that truly says like okay we have intermediate data that can say you're starting to deplete the function of your adrenal glands you know before we get to Cushing's or Addison state so it's just a lack of research and data even though we have research in the alternative worlds there just hasn't been that. I don't know that that true gold standard that's been created. Well, I feel like the alternative world acknowledges that health is a spectrum of a thousand different slices between shitty and optimal. And so, you know, it's <laughs> like I, there's so many things that happen in between being as healthy as possible and, you know, having a full on disease that uh, you need a finer eye to evaluate them. Yeah. But by the way, actually, very interesting. I mean, at the time that we're recording it right now, which is late November, uh, there's a company coming out uh, called SelfSci, spelled SelfSci, like science, S-C-I. They're coming out. I'm surprised it took so long, but they're coming out with a portable saliva cortisol monitor that you can have at home on your phone. Whoa. Yeah. It's then this was actually, I, I was looking for something like this for years and Recently, when I was sniffing around, there was one medical team at Intermountain Medical that was researching how to do this on a phone. This was like in 2015. And they were basically creating like an apparatus. You spit into it. Then, you know, obviously it integrates with your phone. You have a little chip or whatever you detect and so on. But I call, I mean, I called around, I called everybody. I tried to get to the doctor. I'm like trying to send emails and everything. And basically they just abandoned it. And so... Uh, mm. this, this self side, they're coming out with a prototype. Uh, I'm on like the, you know, alpha team or whatever the, the, mm-hmm. the testers. So I should be getting something in about a month if, if they're going to follow through on it. But for sure in 2021, this thing, I mean, it looks like a pipe. It looks like a, you know, like a tobacco pipe, but it's basically like this little thing that you can spit into and you can measure yourself on the, on the spot right there. No more waiting for weeks from the lab, which is so cool to me because now you can say, okay, now we'll see how accurate it is compared to, let's say a lab test or something, but uh, you know, let's say it is relatively accurate. I mean, how powerful is that for stress management? Because then you, you have that feedback, then you can say, okay, you know, let's say if this mindfulness thing works in the next hour, can I drop my cortisol down, you know, or let's say I take this supplement and you know, that's supposed to drop my cortisol a little bit or raise my cortisol if you need, you know, mm-hmm. higher cortisol because that's mm-hmm. important too, right? I mean, 
Absolutely. Yeah. You, you can go either spectrum depending on where you are and, and what time of day, because obviously for the folks that want to raise their cortisol, they want to raise it in the morning and they want to keep it lower. Everyone wants to keep it lower after 6 p.m. because that's yeah. how we go to bed. But having that ability in your hands to be able to look in the moment's awesome because, yeah, that's the one thing I get from patients about the saliva cortisol test. They're like, well, what if I had a crappy day, you know, the day before? Is that going to mess with my test? I'm like, no, that's awesome. That's going to give you like the worst case scenario of what yeah. what you're working with you know and and i've had people do take they would buy three test kits and they would do it three other days right they're like That's i want to know expensive little science experiment <laughs> it, can, it can run you about 300 bucks but you know okay yeah. you know so i have people that are like okay i want to know what it's like i have some firefighters in my practice and like i want to know what it's like when i've had a shift where i've been up and i've just been like crushed all night and then i want to know what it's like one of my days at home and then i want to know what it's like you know two weeks into being on a vacation and how bad is it and and it's interesting because it does change. It really, truly does. And in the process of helping someone to recover from the state of being completely wiped out, I find that super useful. For the folks that are like really like up here, everything's out of control, that everyday one could be extremely interesting too to see where where you're at in the spectrum. So I'm going to write that down because I am looking forward to hearing what they yeah check on. it out it's I mean it's pretty exciting like I said if it's it ends up being remotely accurate then that's super powerful. I mean, it's to have that in the palm of your hand. I mean, that's, that's amazing. So yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that too. I mean, the thing is, cause you know, we're all into like all this biohacking and stuff. And I think one of the things in general that will make such a big difference, you know, irrespective of any new supplements, any new, whatever compounds that we discover aside all that, like just having faster feedback on your health is huge. Like it's a game changer. Cause imagine like how many, like before when, you know, you, you couldn't really test much or you couldn't know the story of your genes. I remember before when I first started doing all kinds of stuff with my body and supplements and testing, I mean, the guy I was working with was my nutritional coach. He was doing, you know, live blood analysis and hair testing, you know, all the old school stuff. And uh, not to say that that stuff is bad in any way, but it certainly has evolved. You know, now we have yeah. genes. You can look up your genes and say, oh, I have this gene. So I'm going to take more of this or less of that. Or, you know, it's so much more, um, you have so much more information now. And I think that as we evolve with being able to do things like test your cortisol right away, I mean, hell, I'm, I'm excited for the time when you're going to have a machine in your house. <laughs> I swear to God, I'll be one of the first people to buy this. I don't Me care too. how much money it costs. I'm like, if I could have a machine in my house, I could just fucking put my hand in and it could just tell me, okay, your thyroid hormones are low or, oh, your cholesterol went like that. I'm like, I would pay like 20 grand for that. However much it would cost. Like, man, because it's, you know, having that feedback gives you so much power so that you can make decisions because taking action is not the hard part. It's knowing what to take action on. I think that's often the frustrating part, especially with something as general as, oh, you know, I'm tired. Right. I'm tired or my mood is off or, you know, whatever other thing can go wrong with stress. Right. I mean, how many, how many things can go wrong? 
it's it's there's so many variables there but yeah having something that was just like okay b vitamin b6 and magnesium are depleted today make sure you get those in and you have a voice just like this i don't know why i feel like i needed to say that but i feel like that would be so cool and also like what do you need to do in terms of working the muscles like what needs to be relaxed a little bit because chiropractors have that have you seen that thing that chiros have that like tells you these bars on every single vertebrae where the nerves are like the yeah the heat difference yeah yeah and looking at that to be like oh okay so maybe i need to work on my traps today to like loosen them up and do like a leg day instead to like guide your workouts yeah i used to have a guy that god he passed away too he was such a talented chiropractor and it was network spinal analysis i don't know if you ever heard about that no but network network care is super interesting and if you are listening then it's something to look into um i mean it's it's still relatively new, I would say. I mean, it's about 20 years. So I would say something like that in the, in, in the history of it or 20 or 30 years. And it's not like a huge thing, but it's growing. And the way, the reason I like network, and like I said, I would totally do it. But the guy, the only guy that was in my part of town that, that I would ever trust my body to, he passed away just like randomly, just had a total accident. I don't know what happened actually, but he was like in his forties. He seemed relatively healthy, but Network is like sort of almost like energy work. It was so fascinating. And like, it's very light touch and it's sort of, you know, it, it takes a lot of training, obviously, because you have to be a chiropractor and you have to get this specialized training to basically, he works with meridian points. He had like all the temperature things you were talking about. And, you know, he would basically guide your body into adjusting itself. And so you're training these neural patterns of what does it feel like when I'm aligned. And so then you start adjusting on your own. Like you start finding that you're like, ah, you know, like I want to squirm this way when I'm sitting at the chair. And I wasn't, I never had that awareness before. And now suddenly I squirm and I feel a little pop in my shoulder and, you know, you get back to alignment. And so, you know, it's, it's a very, very interesting thing, but it obviously takes, you know, somebody uh, who's trained and also open-mindedness. I mean, at first you feel it's like fucking witchcraft or something, but <laughs> it, it's uh, it's yeah. a very, very interesting thing. And it's, it's so important to be aligned. I mean, with acupuncture, what have you, what have you found has been some of the most um, common misalignments? Let's put it this way, misalignments in people when they come in that are burned out, that are stressed. Well, usually the, the number one thing I'm going to find is that they have a kidney deficiency. And, yeah. and what that means is, is the pulse for the kidney energy is at a low. And, and for folks who are listening, how do you find this? You can actually take your hand and you can put your second finger like just below where your thumb joint is, that big, the big thumb joint at your wrist, and then your second finger and third finger. And where your third finger lies is your kidney pulse. And the same happens either side of, of your arm. So left to right, same thing. And that one's usually pretty depleted. And so for me, it's going, all right, if that's depleted, I can press my finger in and I still don't feel anything. Okay, this person's even more trash than than I thought. Now, after that, some of the biggest issues is we're going to see shoulders creeping up like earrings. They're almost like their shoulders are going forward, curled up. I call it armadilloing. And so if I see that on top of a kidney pulse being weak, I'm like, this person's preparing for war. 
Like their body is literally hunching and trying to escape from whatever it is that's that's going after them. So what those if you are see gonna... them roll on the ground in a ball <laughs> rolling away. <Is> that... <laughs> if if that <laughs> happens, <laughs> if that happens, I'm like, okay, we're get, you're gonna need to be here for like a week. You yeah. can't leave. <laughs> we're we're gonna take real good care of you. Yeah, no, if that happened, man, oh, that would be that would be someone who's really pushed themselves to the limits. But you can see just walking down the street, you can see folks who are really ha- coming on tough times and, and stress has really overtaken them. They, they're literally like in protect mode and, yeah. and they're hunched forward and slumping down. So those would be like the two main characteristics. Another characteristic that I'll see is if I touch the inside of the leg, the lower leg, and I go below the knee along the, the tibia, your, your big shin bone there, it can be quite sore. And what mm. that means is that you've got some pretty poor lymphatic flow. And when we become depleted, we don't detoxify well. And our lymphatic system is what is like our big drainage ditch throughout our body. It clears out whatever toxins get stuck in our cells. So that's like the other hallmark that I'll see. And someone might be a little puffy. You know, I press in and then my thumb mark stays there. They would call that pitting edema in in the Western world. But we'd be looking at someone having trouble moving fluid through their body. That's another pretty, pretty extreme kidney deficiency thing going on, otherwise known as adrenal adrenal insufficiency yeah what is the impact of stress on other hormones you know especially what i'm interested and i think would be very valuable for people to to know is the impact on thyroid Mm -hmm. on the thyroid because there's you know thyroid controls so much of your energy of your metabolism of your mood uh you know your weight i mean everything right and so it's just been fascinating learning about the impact of cortisol, high cortisol stress, you know, adrenal fatigue on thyroid functioning and and obviously the result on how you feel because of that. So, yeah. So what happens is your brain starts to stop producing the signals that go to the thyroid. So you're going to, you're going to slow down or you're going to speed up. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk about two of them, how it kind of works. Yeah. And, and what'll happen at first is your, your body's going to be like, wait a minute, what, how do, whoa, what's going on? Uh, one, first and foremost, it's like, I have to slow down metabolism because I need to hide out to get away from this particular creature, you know, like I need to go in a cave and hide out. That's one aspect. The other aspect is speed it up because I need to escape from this creature. Unfortunately, Mm. for most of us, we're beyond the, I need to escape from the creature. When we start to see symptoms, we're in the state of, like you said, the weights going on, things of that nature. This is when the brain's been signaling on overdrive and the thyroid's like, I can't handle it anymore. So we end up producing more of thyroid stimulating hormone. We end up producing less of thyroid hormone because the thyroid is just like, I'm done. I'm sick of you stimulating me. I want to crash out. Then we see the T4, which is the hormone that comes out of the thyroid and goes to the cells. We'll see T4 is depleted. And then we're going to see T3 even more depleted because now we're trying to get the signaling to the cells but the cells aren't responding. So now we come into a situation called the cellular hypothyroidism. And that's the case in which a lot of people are in when they're super stressed and they go to the doc and the doc's like, yeah, your labs are all right. I don't, I don't see anything wrong with your TSH. I don't see anything wrong with your free T3 or your free T4. What it is, is like the doc's not looking at that parameter. 
the free the free T3, I'm gonna get geeky for a second for anyone that is struggling with thyroid stuff. If you look at your free T3 levels, which hopefully your doctor tested it, if they didn't, you better freaking go back and ask for them to do it. Free T3, free T4, TSH, and reverse T3, those four give you a lot of info in terms of just basic thyroid function. You could get into antibodies in terms of the thyroglobulin antibody if you're attacking your thyroid directly, or the anti-TPOs, which is thyroid peroxidase. This is the conversion from T4 to T3. Now, you can also have an antibody to that. If you have any antibodies, it's known as Hashimoto's thyroiditis. But for those folks who have, it doesn't matter, independent of having antibodies or not, if your T3 is low, and it's not between three to 3.5 in terms of the numbers, anything below that, a lot of people will sit in the low twos Docs will be like, oh, your number's fine. No big deal. No, that's cellular hypothyroidism, meaning you can pump yourself full of all the thyroid hormones you want. And a lot of times you're not going to see change. Hmm. Yes, you could use T3, which a lot of people will use something called liothrenine. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it stresses like you'll start to feel amped up and you can't tolerate it. So what's happening? Why does this happen? Well, your body's at that state. If you've ever watched those, those shows where like the, the gazelles running and trying to get away from the cheetah and then like the cheetah finds something more delicious and the gazelle like just lays down because the cheetah like pounced, but then was like, Ooh, that's delicious over there. I'm going to go over there. And so the gazelle lays there, the cheetah's munching on something else. The gazelle's like, Oh, sweet coast is clear. Gazelle gets up and moves away. That frozen state where it was like playing dead for a minute. That's where a lot of us live when we're extremely stressed out. Like our metabolism's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting here. And so then that cascades into our hormones not being produced, like our estrogen, our progesterone and our testosterone. And the more stressed we become, the more we steal progesterone because we take cord like the precursors to make cortisol from making progesterone. And so then cortisol gets made, progesterone goes low and we can't sleep because progesterone is our rest, our like chill hormone. Guys, guys need it too, ladies and guys. And if there's chronic sleep issues, I will use progesterone bioidentically to help both ladies and guys to sleep. Yeah, I was going to say like, what are some of your main strategies for people? Because inevitably I think stress, it's not like an isolated phenomenon. I mean, no. you especially the older you get, all, all your whole system kind of starts to get bogged down, your thyroid, your, your digestive system. So what are, you know, if somebody comes in, what are some of your main strategies is to kind of tackle the problem? Let's say they have thyroid, they're just having a slow thyroid, maybe not a Hashimoto's or an autoimmune situation, but they have a slow thyroid. They have, they're not eating the best. Obviously they're, they're not managing their, their stress the best. So what would be kind of, I guess, the top principles that you would operate when you, when you look at that? First and foremost, like we talked about before, they got to get their routine down. Because I can throw every medication under the sun at it and I can throw yeah. every herb under the sun at it. And if you don't get the basics down, like like we had mentioned before, Tito, like all the stuff on the like, get your wake up routine, get your meal routine, get your sleep routine, eat closest to nature, drink plenty of water. Boom. You get that out of the way. Okay. Next step is we work on figuring out what's wrong with your heart, like where are your hormones at? So we had talked about the thyroid labs. Then I'll have people do a saliva cortisol, a four point saliva cortisol um, until we can have the daily monitoring. And then we've got the saliva cortisol for estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and, and looking at that breakdown and seeing where are we at? And when I say estrogen, I'm talking about estradiol. 
I'm talking about estrone and estriol because estradiol is like the beneficial estrogen. Guys need it too. It helps keeps our bones strong and our heart strong. Estriol, this is really good. It's like the weak estrogen, but it's good for ladies for vaginal health. We need that. And then estrone is inflammatory estrogen. And this can build up in guys and ladies. And it's what's kind of stored in fat and can make us quite sick. And sometimes we're producing a lot of this estrone because we're eating too many things that are made in plastic. We're microwaving plastic. Mm. We're drinking our venti soy lattes in, in plastic, you know, those lids. And then soy is estrogenic. So looking at how much soy is in your diet. So I'm going to pull that stuff from the, the plan. And then once I know where the hormones are at, then I'm going to create a plan based on food because there are foods that can support deficiencies of hormones. Like I said, if you have a deficiency in estrogen, yeah, you could use soy. It's not my favorite. It's a, it's a common allergen. So I won't use it that often, but sesame seeds, pumpkin seeds, those guys like looking at your seeds can actually be helpful for, for balancing hormones. And in particular, I said sesame first, which for those of you who are fact checking me, sesame is for boosting progesterone. And so tahini, things of that nature, boost progesterone. Also mm. sunflower seeds will boost progesterone. So I have a lot of folks taking ground like sunflower seeds and throwing them on a salad or something before, you know, around dinner time so that you've got a little progesterone support in the evening or put tahini into a dressing or you know, whatever, as, as a stir fry in the evening to help progesterone in the evening. And then during the day, we've got pumpkin seed, we've got chia, we've got flax, all of those guys are estrogen boosters. So for guys, you can do it during the day. For ladies, you have to kind of cycle a little bit where you're at in your period to kind of figure out which one you want more estrogen and, and which one you want more of the progesterone stuff. The progesterone tends to be for the second half of our cycle and the estrogens for the first half. So we look at diet. Then after that, we go, can we use some bioidentical hormones based on where someone is in their age? Um, if someone's extremely depleted, I will consider using especially progesterone in ladies and men. Doesn't yeah. matter how old you are. And especially for folks who are extremely stressed out, because if you're anxious and you're, in, you're having insomnia, progesterone is one of the best things for helping to get sleep back in, in alignment. Because I've had people take copious amounts of herbs to try to sleep. And sometimes it just doesn't do the trick. Hmm. What I will say though, for, for folks who are interested in herbs, one of the best herbs out there for managing cortisol and, and the stress response is ashwagandha. Yeah. It's hands down my favorite. It will help you to lower cortisol. It also helps to boost testosterone in, in males and females to help if that is kind of some of the lowered aspect. And testosterone is extremely useful for maintaining our muscle, but also for our energy. So Ashwagandha is one of my favorites. L-theanine is an amino acid and I use it like break in case of emergency up to 1600 milligrams a day. It's wow, your regulator. Really? 1600 yeah. milligrams. You can use a lot of it. Now, do I recommend taking that many stinking capsules? No, I usually like to bust it open and put it like under my tongue or I'll put it into a smoothie or some water or something because taking so many capsules, I don't think is a good thing for the body. Or I'll even have folks buy it in bulk from a bulk supplement kind of company where you're getting the powder, but mm -hmm. L-theanine regulates your, your catecholamine. So it's regulating your epinephrine, norepinephrine. 
And so if you're amped up before bed, it's one of the things that can help you as you're working on your breathing techniques, you're working on your wind down, your yoga, whatever it is to help you wind down after work. And it's one of my, like, those two are my favorites. And then you add in ashwagandha or ashwagandha with the L-theanine, those two work together well. And holy basil is another one of my like absolute chill favorite herbs. Mm -hmm. Now there's plenty of other ones, but those would be kind of the basics if someone's looking at it in terms of what can I do right now to kind of help balance things. And of course, looking at drug interactions, folks, because there are drug interactions for every single one of those, I would be on here for four hours to list them all off very <laughs> fastly, very fast, like the end of a end of a drug commercial to tell you all the interactions. So so do your homework, you know, don't don't think that because it's natural, there's not an interaction because that is a possibility. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, it's, it's a better option than some of these drugs. Like you said, on the, the commercials, you, you see these commercials, it just blows my mind. I mean, <laughs> you see this family like super happy and in, in the field. And then, you know, as they're reading <laughs> off, like this may cause sudden death and paralysis and you know, whatever, <laughs> it's just like, are you kidding what? me? Like the, the side effects sound worse than the benefits. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's disturbing to the point. It's almost comical when you listen to this stuff. You're like, yeah, am I seeing what I'm seeing right. and hearing yeah. what I'm hearing? It's, it's huh? like a Saturday Night Live skit or something. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's for real. Oh, my God. No, it is a trip. Ah, there's, a quote, there's a quote I like by Dr. Bernard Jensen, who's the father of colonics. And he said, death begins in the colon. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Oh man, it, so that's a heavy one, man. Um, because, yeah. <laughs> because the colon is like, is where we detoxify, but it's also where we're reabsorbing a lot of the no pun intended, but totally intended crap. And, yeah. and that's where we reabsorb our estrone and our inflammatory estrogens and all of the toxins that we don't get out in our stool. So if you're, if you're colon, and let's put it this way, if, you, if your microbiome saw the bugs on your gut lining are not healthy, and then you've got a trash gut lining, meaning those little cells that link together are not healthy and they're letting stuff come across the lining. So extra reabsorption of water that has toxins in it and whatnot. I mean, yeah, that's going to start there because all of that toxic buildup gets back into your body. So making sure that you are pooping on the regular, that is a huge deal a huge deal. What are some like hidden colon killers? Because I think a lot of people don't realize, I mean, I think now it's starting to be more of a buzzword, this whole leaky gut thing. And it's, it's mm -hmm. becoming more of a commonly accepted thing. I mean, you see people like, uh, you know, Dr. Axe and Dr. Mm -hmm. Gundry, you know, obviously making a, a living out of that whole idea, but you know, it's still relatively a new idea. I don't think it's totally worldly accepted, but what are some of these hidden killers Mm -hmm. that people don't know about, you know, in terms of the things that they're putting in their body that are creating leaky gut and creating this death, <laughs> the death mm -hmm. in the colon. Yeah. So one of the big ones, which is, is something that I think a lot of people kind of know maybe isn't the best, but it seems to be a habit is all the diet sodas. And then you take it another step further is all the fake stevia and the, the, the xylitol. While it's been rumored to be healthy, I see a lot of people taking in the stuff and it's tearing up their gut. Same thing with a lot of the gums, like the guar gum and things of that nature. Mm. Now, some people use it therapeutically, 
uh, unfortunately in our all of our alternative milks um i guess not all of them there are some companies that don't have them anymore but a lot of the mainstream more cost effective alternative milks like almond milk and things of that nature have a lot of carrageenan and, and other additives that really are hard on the gut now gundry <laughs> And, and well, Dr. Gundry in particular is talking a lot about lectins. Now, my yeah. biggest pet peeve about that, I, I understand what he's saying because yes, beans in particular have a lot of lectins. They're hard to break down. So do grains. But the problem is, is that that's most of the people have really trash guts. They're not eating copious amounts of beans or grains. Right. We're dealing with like, you know, Cheetos and, and hot Cheetos and taquitos and, you know, processed stuff. I'm more concerned about that, you know, than, than all of the healthy stuff. So it's all of the, the processed foods, the more lists you have on the ingredients like BHT and bisphenol A, so BPA, which is a lining on all And BPS bodies. now, now everybody's yes. saying BPA free. Now they have an even worse one. It's like, thanks, you know. <laughs> Thanks. We got the BPA out and now yeah, we have, was, uh, <laughs> I know. So really the, the colon killers are stuff that you can't pronounce in your, your foods and, and being on that bandwagon of the sugar-free and the low carb stuff and the keto, you know, marketed stuff. It's, it's, if it looks too good to be true, it is. Probably and is. it probably is. And, and the other biggie that, that I really want folks to think about for their, for their colon is yeast. Yeast buildup in the colon can be a huge issue because yeast are like little, they have little fingers on them. If you look under the microscope, we used to call them spaghetti and meatballs because that's what they look like. But <laughs> their spaghetti like pushes the cells apart. So stuff can get across into the bloodstream. And that's where that leaky gut just keeps going and going and going. Someone could eat like the healthiest routine ever. But if they're not getting enough garlic in, they're not getting enough oregano or thyme, they're not going to be able to knock down that yeasty like layer. It's it's like a big film that just sticks on there. What, what builds up yeast? Because like I remember studying about vegans and eating nutritional yeast a lot. And that obviously mm -hmm. contributes to some of that. I and mean, people think they're being healthy. I used to eat a lot of nutritional yeast, but mm -hmm. uh, that actually I realized was promoting yeast growth and I have low stomach acid, which a lot of people do. And yeah. as you know, stress leads you to SIBO and all those other things. And so those are a lot of life lessons that nobody taught me about, you know, but I think a lot of people are, they're just not aware of, of these simple things, like what builds up yeast and how to be smart about, you know, keeping that population down. Sure. Sure. So anything that has yeast in it, like your nutritional yeast, it's a different type of yeast. I want to be clear that yeast that builds up in your gut is known as candida albicans. Yeah. It is a form of yeast is completely different than the yeast that's brewer's yeast or baker's yeast or, you know, what other types of yeast that we may be looking out there in terms of processed forms, but yeast is like, they're like friends. And so you get it in the gut and now we're going to have the potential for more yeast to take over. They're like buddies. They create their gang. And then now we have more yeasties going on is what I will say. Hmm. So it's like a weed in your gut, if you will. Like the dandelions that you don't want in your yard or the clover you don't really want in your yard, yeast will, will potentiate like that. And by eating nutritional yeast, eating breads that are yeasted, e drinking beer, drinking wine, 
all of these things feed the yeast. Now, a lot of people will be like, what about all the fruits and things of that nature? Well, yes, fruit can, but you've got to be eating more than about two cups a day of fruit and what fruits make a difference. Like if you're hitting the pineapple and the papayas and, and that stuff pretty hard, yeah, you're going to have some trouble. Grapes, same thing. Or if your fruit choice is dried fruit, that's candy. That's yeah. not... <laughs> That's candy. Um, looks very much like, you know, juicy, lovely fruit, but it's candy. And so it's really how, how you break down things. Now, there's a huge emotional component to yeast goes along with stress, but also some chronic trauma and some abuse. If you go back through folks' history who have yeast that just keeps building up and up and up and not getting rid of it with multiple cleanses and colonics and things of that nature, you got to go back to like what's eating at you literally. Mm. And so that is a huge thing. If someone's struggling with, with gut issues, you do got to work, you do have to work on your stress and, and what's eating away at you. Besides managing stress. I mean, what are some, I guess, strategies that people can use? You know, there's so many things that can go wrong, obviously. Like a lot of people, I think I read a statistic that like every year, half a million people get their gallbladder taken out. I did. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, I had no clue. This was such a common problem. It's insane. You know, gallbladder is so important for like processing your fast and everything, but you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. You have SIBO, you have Crohn's, you have, you know, inflammatory diseases, you have pylori infections, mm -hmm. you know, stress is a big part of that because obviously when you're stressed out, your digestive system goes offline. And so all kinds of hell takes over at that point. So besides managing your stress emotionally, what are some strategies that people can employ to heal their gut to, you know, basically maybe some things they can take or eat or, you know, other things they can do, I guess. Sure. Sure. Obviously I'm going to say eating closest to nature, the less yeah. chemicals you have in your food, that's going to be number one. Yeah. Now healing up the gut lining. There's a lot of different ways you can go about this. The simple way is making bone broths and, and that's kind of became popular in the last few years. But I'm finding that unfortunately what will happen a lot of times is folks will end up leaving the soups for too long and now we have too many histamines building up in mm. that soup. So when you're making a bone broth soup, I don't recommend leaving it in the fridge more than two days, freeze everything else and then defrost it as you go, because otherwise those histamines will really build up and cause some, some irritation. So it's like more trouble than it's worth. Mm. So how do you get around that? Well, we have collagen powders. Those can work, but do I see them as effective as things like L-glutamine? I think L-glutamine is one of the best amino acids for the gut lining and it's relatively cheap and you can in powder form. A lot of people take a capsules. Uh -uh. Don't mess with the capsules because you got to break that capsule down. And if your gut's already sucking, let's say, and, and yeah. breaking stuff down and you don't have a lot of stomach acid, which is, you know, nine times out of 10, the problem, don't bother with a capsule, get a powder. So I have people throwing it in water, throw it into your coffee. If you absolutely have to keep in mind, coffee rips up the gut. Um, the more that you can look for low or minimal or zero acidic coffees, there's a guy out there named Tyler's coffee. He's got zero acid coffee. That can be a game changer wow. for people to allow your gut to heal. Cause one of the biggest Im like impeding factors of getting that gut to heal is it for me is getting people to quit the coffee for a little bit, just to let the gut reset. Cause coffee has lectins. Coffee is acidic. It's hard on the gut. It's a laxative for a reason. Hmm. So ditch in the coffee for a little bit, use a little bit of perhaps Tyler's coffee that has the zero acid, but also the other side of it is 
how do we speed this up a little faster? Because it's, without glutamine, it's going to take about three to six months to see some solid change for gut lining repair. There's something called BPC, so Body Protective Complex 157. Have you heard of this? That's a uh, peptide, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Sounds like a German U-boat, but is a small protein <laughs> peptide. It's kind of like BPC-157. Jeez. Yeah, like, I have what? heard of BPC-157. I've never used it, though, but I've heard it's really it's, good for digestive issues. It is a rock star component. And How do you take that? Do you inject it? Or, I mean, do you? You can do both. I find it, if you're working on the gut, in this case, I do say get the capsule. Um, Mm. because the powdered form, I've had people open up the powder and, and bust open the capsule and not had as great results as when we did a capsule. I think the component here is that the capsule is helping it to get further along through the system. So does that it survive, I mean, I was going to say like, Mm -hmm. how how does it survive like stomach acid and, and all that kind of stuff? It does survive stomach acid. And that's that's the capsule component. I think the capsule, mm. I'm sure some of them are getting degraded because it is a protein. It's going to get broken down by yeah. your digestive enzymes. But I think there's enough reserved from that capsule that it does more, it gets more into your small intestine and large intestine because hands down, like my stubborn cases of leaky gut and diarrhea and, and Crohn's and things of that nature, the BPC is taking care of that. Same thing with ulcers. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that stuff's worth its weight in gold. Now I do inject it. I have folks doing sub Q in their abdomen. If we can't seem to get results, I'll have them do it over certain areas of the colon. If there's ulcerative colitis and it kind of is based on where their issue is. I'll have them doing it near the belly button. Don't do it in the belly button. I did not say that around the belly button for the small intestine. Um, Those are great areas for subcutaneous injection, but if someone's got a tendon, ligament, sprain, or strain, you could put it right into um, the muscle, tendon, ligament, all that area, and put it right at the source. So it's kind of um, a multi-level use peptide, but for the gut, I do recommend doing the capsules to get things going. Now, one caveat would be if someone has an esophagus ulcer or ulcers within the throat, the mouth, I will open it up in that case and have folks use it that way. So it's quite it's quite impressive. The BPC is, is, is a good, is a good tool that we have. And so there's, where do you get your peptide from? There's companies that compound it. So peptide science online, you could get it from them and you don't need a prescription or anything. And if that's the injectable form for capsule forms, there's a company called TaylorMade. And they've recently had some trouble with the FDA. So full disclosure on everyone who's listening to this, I do not condone or agree with what they did in terms of their FDA issues, but their BPC rocks. So when we don't have anything else that works as good, I do recommend their product and they sell it online in a capsule form. Now they do have the same, a similar company called Dr. Seeds, S-E-E-D-S. Oh yeah. I've seen Dr. Seeds. They acquired Dr. Seeds and they sell BPC. So body protective complex, but they don't call it 157. I wish I knew if it was different or not, because it's a lot cheaper. I've had, Hmm. I've tested both of them out and hands down the BPC 157 does better. Hmm. So I I would recommend going towards the tailor-made BPC product. And like I said, full disclosure, I don't know what happened with the FDA and them. I don't condone any of that, but their product rocks. So there you have it. That's amazing. There's so much good stuff. 
so 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 much you know it's you're always learning something i mean like i heard like i heard of a bpc but i never i mean i tried like sermorellin injections a long mm-hmm. time ago mm-hmm. and you know it's like at some point you're like all right you know you're injecting yourself <laughs> with something you're, you know it's not like you're putting in your blood but at the same time i'm like all right at what point you know do i i don't know where do i draw the line as a body hacker you know like i, I mean i I've done stool tests. I've done, you know, pretty much everything <laughs> under the sun. And it's like, okay, I definitely hate injections. This is where I draw the line. I can't stand it. And then most of the time the, the peptides get denatured when you swallow them. So that's why I never really bothered to include them. Plus there, are they kind of like, how much does it cost for the BPC-157? Because it's kind of expensive, isn't it? Yeah, injectable it, it ranges if you if you use peptide science and peptide science is it's a legit company. Yeah. The way the way I kind of look at it is that they don't have a middleman and so their, you know, raw product that you get from them, you're looking at about 75 to 100 dollars per vial depending on what you're looking at. Now, if you're going to something like Epitalon, which is a telomere lengthening, so for those of you who are into longevity hacking yeah. and things of that nature, now you're looking at 300 dollars or more. If you compound BPC through a company, say Wells is, is one of the ones that you can compound an injectable through, you're looking at $175 for a one month supply. Not even actually, it's like a two week supply, to be honest. It's it's expensive. Peptides are, if you're going to play with peptides, you want to have someone that's well-versed and that can dial you in to get you the right stack. Cause otherwise you're going to be playing around like you're, you're some moral. And now they have the CJC 12, you know, 95 with the Ipamoral and, and, you know, is that working? It's there's not so right. there's so much, man. I mean, it's like it's a whole world. It's, that's like the wild, wild west to me. It's just like it's it's exciting because it's yeah. you know, obviously you get some fast results, but it's just such a it's it's expensive. That's the kind of it's a little bit cost prohibitive, and it's uh, there's just so much to it. There's so much learning, you know, to to learn how these things interact. So it's interesting for sure. We'll see. I mean, there's so much stuff out there. Like even like uh, was it rapamycin and. Mm-hmm you know, even bioidentical hormones mean so much interesting yeah. things that are happening in the next couple of years. I'm very excited to see where it's all going to go. Yeah. Yeah. But you no, know what? I, it's always going to come back to that, that mindfulness, man, the, the stuff that we're talking about right now, like at the end of the day, yes. you can have all these supplements and, and, and tests and hacks and stuff, but it's still not going to replace just sitting down and eating your food slowly and learning when to say no, you know, and, and going outside maybe a couple times a day. Like, I don't know. It's just, the basics, the basics. The I basics, come back. Yeah, the basics. I come back to it. Yeah, I've. All about I've, the basics. I have to agree with you. It's it truly is, and yes, you can play with all these other things as you're on your journey, getting to where you need to be. But ultimately, you will come back to it's the simple things that matter, and it's the simple things that you want to get hammered out and stress. Getting your stress in check will resolve a lot of things for you if you can dial that in. So cool. One more question for you. What are you most grateful for today? You know, I, that's a good question. I'm going to have to say I am most grateful for the sun that came out today because we've had a serious bout of rain lately and it was so beautiful to get outside and just feel the sun kind of radiating off my face. It was heavenly. It's just simple things. (laughs) It's the simple things. It's really crazy. I mean, even when you go outside and you, I mean, especially at night, I think it's also something too when you look and you just get this idea that holy smokes we're floating in the middle of nowhere man Mm -hmm. 
There's a ball of fire in the sky, and it comes on time every day. <laughs> you know, like, Light clockwork. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy yeah. stuff. It's uh, so much bigger than us. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with my friend, Dr. Janine Krauss. You know, health is everything. And having been through burnout several times in my life, I know that it can often seem like a long road to recovery. And in some ways it is, you know, it's it's a practice. You didn't get to burnout overnight, uh, usually. And so usually it takes a lot more than just a few days, a few weeks, even a few months to get back on track. So treat it as an opportunity to learn about yourself, to learn about your own tendencies, what are some things that maybe you can improve in your character and your discipline. These are opportune moments to practice. And so that's the way I like to see it, even though it is not fun. You know, it's frustrating when you're burned out, when you're tired, when your body's not doing what you want it to do. Certainly we've all been there. Uh, but it's, it's a great spiritual opportunity. I always believe that. Again, if you want to get in touch with Dr. Janine, Check her out at drjkrausnd.com, where you can go on Instagram, Dr. Janine Kraus, or Facebook, Doc J. Kraus ND. Don't forget about the Manage Stress Naturally course that she has. You can go check that out in the link to the show notes for this episode on the website, danceoflife.com slash podcast. As always, if you enjoyed this show, make sure you subscribe, share it with your friends. I appreciate all of you being here with me today. Let's not forget our inspirational quote from the beginning by a very inspirational anonymous. Health is a relationship between you and your body. Our bodies are the canvas for spiritual transformation. This is what I always believe and say. They are the vessels for our souls to learn valuable spiritual lessons. You've been given the body along with your health challenges to perfectly teach you about what you need to learn in this path. And that's going to be different for everybody, but it's always specific to your personal legend, to your journey. And that's how you can embrace the current challenges, however hard they are. Embrace the journey. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have an awesome rest of your Friday. Tune in on Tuesday for a little Transformation Tuesday. We're going to do Social Media Connection Challenge. On Friday, I interview founder of Tapereel, social media platform, tapereel.com. Uh, his name is Ali Shah about his project and how he plans on revolutionizing the social media world and how we communicate. So it's pretty exciting, very interesting stuff. Make sure you tune in. Hope to see you then. And until then, remember, your life is a dance. So go out there and dance it well. For more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.